Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Belize Billboard Radio. Good afternoon, radio listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. And you are tuned to Billboard And very special with today. name of I have a lot to, to say about this brother because I've known him for quite some time and he's definitely down with the struggle. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. We're going to touch on a lot of topics today. Uh, one hour is just too short a time, but we're glad for the time that we have. But before we get into the, the meat of the matter, I'd like to just very give you, very quickly, give you um, an overview of the show, what it involves. And we're going to do. But Pat, could you just say hello to the listeners? Greetings, greetings, Internet Radio listeners. I uh, hope to do justice to the time slot that we have here. Yes, brother. Well, in terms of the, the show, it draws inspiration from two, two elements. Um, number one, hard talk. Basically, straightforward. We the effort talk. PUDP refused to touch on. Straight like that. That's it. And in terms of the tipping point, I smile when I say that because uh, the inspiration comes from a book by renowned author Malcolm Gladwell. And it's a personal re- revelation here because the same brother that's sitting here right now introduced me to that book. I read it, and it really impacted me. So, Brother Pat. I'm glad you did. Yes, man. Thank you so much. And we're going to get a little bit into... The, the relevance of the tipping point and the concept behind it. Basically, I feel that Belize is at that juncture. We're at that point where certain things take place, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a But when you reach a certain society and, and progression, then certain things have to happen, and everyone plays a critical role. I believe that this effort here friends of making it possible. They are playing a critical role. Sometimes of what global seems to book, but we'll get into that another time. So, Brother Pat, welcome. Glad to be here, Brother Baca. Glad to be here. Um, if I may, if I could just explain a bit of concept to the listeners. In effect, there's four sectors to our society. I mean, I'm painting with a wide share, but just to generalize, there's the uneducated amongst us who basically are usually the unemployed. There's the educated that wasn't afforded an opportunity for a scholarship, so they only completed the highest levels here in Belize. Now, these brothers and sisters are as smart as any lawyer, doctor, engineer out there, but they didn't have the opportunity to further their education. They make up pretty much the working force of the country, the civil service and the laborers. The third sector I'd like to think of of people like ourselves. We've gone further, we've gotten certified, we've come back to Belize, tried around business, for us to put up on business name and, and 
survive without the tax agencies just coming in and, and making it difficult to do business. So we end this professional class. And the fourth sector would then be the business elite. The business elite uh, is going to need some further analysis because there are the economic citizens that bought their passports and come into this country. And over the last 30 years, we've seen where they have emerged as the local oligarchy. Organization of the working class is already there through the labor unions. The professional class each have their own individual associations, but they do not interact. And the that I came back to Belize to help. And so I said, since my blessing was in organizing and putting structures in place, I would help to organize any positive entity that I see in this country. Go and lend my help, free of cost, in organizing these entities. Because, as Marcus Garvey said, the biggest weapon that they have used against us is division. They have us so divided by the Parker that what we need is to organize ourselves back and come back and establish this unity that is needed before we can achieve anything. Well, yes, Brother Pat, I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, in terms of the disunity that we have in this country, it's, it's evident. It's definitely evident. Every line, if you look at the districts, the British divided us by ethnicity. You have the Mestizo up north in Corozal and, and Orange Walk, thanks to Marcus Cano. You have the Creole population here in the city, the African descendants and Mesquito Indian mix in Kaya as well. You have the Mesquito Indian dominating their, their descendants along with the Middle Eastern influx that came in. They tend to settle the Kaya area. The Catholic district is the Garifuna and the Maya. So likewise with some um, indentured labor Indians that were brought in along with American expats who came from the Civil War and this did a pretty good number when they divided along those districts because the control population up to with a religious creole with a degree, but for some reason that she's not Spanish and Spanish which is their bastard picnic with a Amerindian was a mestiz, so their bastard picnic with an African and mulatto. And that created that differentiation. Whereas the British and the French, it was just a Creole bastard picnic. So we don't see ourselves as Creole, but the Matisse don't see ourselves as Creole. When in effect, all with a mosquito mixed breed. And when we start understanding that, we'll be able to get closer to national unity. But we need unity within the respective ethnic groups first. And there's the problem where, as I said, I believe in multi-parties and I believe each ethnic group, since we're already kind of like that, need a political leader to emerge for their people with socialist inclination, of course, and then eventually all these political leaders from the various districts emerge, you know, in an alliance at election time to wave off the PUDP. It's a very, very interesting perspective. I've never heard it put in that fashion. And 
you know, I'm listening. We had a little brief discussion before we came online. And yes, I can see where you're coming from with regards to the history. Um, I guess the old saying, Allah, we are one, really does apply. But we have to put it into effect, basically. Now, in terms of when I hear you discuss this issue, you know, there are always the prevailing I mean, even that people like this like gay and this is like that. But all the certain respects, in the city here, in, in the Belize district area, where they made us feel like we were above the others because they into the civil service. So the, the, the first set of Belizean people that got into the service that weren't Europeans, they brought from Jamaica, of course, at first, and eventually brought in Belizeans, but it's the Belizean Creole that started got, getting these positions, you know, the government representing Her Majesty. And that created the Liriah Creole thing on here, about, which is a very real thing. It's a very real thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, I'm a subject, but at least I'm above you, my classification. Mm -hmm. You understand? Or Because the, the Creole subject was really well, well, stepped up from everything else that wasn't even classified. No? So. You, you dig deep, you dig deep, but I follow you, because that thing is, that thing is real. It's, it's a reality of the Belizean history and context. And it carries over into the political realm. Exactly. You know, it's uh, it's very, very true what they say that you you must know your history in order to understand the present and to plan for the future. You see, so that's what uh, the movement with the vision inspired by the people. We've taken it upon ourselves to do a lot of research, reading up on history, looking at alternative options how we could govern ourselves. And the fact of the matter is, as I always to people, the discussions are dominated by lies who are not the best equipped. to our system of governance 
and where I believe we need to go. Now, you spoke a little bit about the movement that you're part of, Vision Inspired by the People. When we were promoting the show, I got two very salient questions, and I better I, better I just direct them to you, let you address them, no? Because as I promote the show, I said we'll have a video from the Pat Rogers, who's part of a movement, a little movement, that's geared towards making an impression and transforming our system of governance. So can you please tell me a little bit about the VIP philosophy in terms of it being a movement of the political party? Well, first of all, uh, that's a question to answer because I'm currently in the middle of some negotiations with my brothers and sisters in the leadership of the movement. It's a matter that seriously needs a resolution, and it's one of the reasons why people have been saying we're talking with two heads, two minds, whatever. And they're right. They're absolutely right. What had happened is that when I went to join with brothers in Belmapan, it's because we were all a part of a movement called We the People. The People's United Party had, in 1997, just before the 1998 general election, literally jumped on the political reform bandwagon. There were a bunch of us people clamoring for reform to the system because it had been 20-odd years since independence, and we saw we were going down the wrong road. So we started thinking critically and offering solutions out there as to how we could reform the system we're governed with. The PUP, in opposition, took the opportunity to make promises that they're going to do it, they're going to do it, and they're going to help us do it after elected. So a lot of Belizeans, like myself, didn't consider ourselves PUP at the time, but actually supported them. Not, I didn't even register to vote. I wasn't registered to vote, but I supported because it said they were going to burn the Senate, which is no dream of mine. Not all end of our problem, but it starts in that direction separate power. Because the separation of power is what I ultimately want for at least the best system that gives us this Republican system. So I never stay away from that. That, that is my ultimate dream to see Belize. Well, I, I probably, I definitely won't get to see it more than likely, but certainly I believe that is where we will end because it will create true separation of powers. The elected Senate have given us one step in that direction for us to jail. You have to be elected jail. Why are they so 
came from behind, beating PUP, carried that pride with them from being the first opposition to win, but brought with them the second phase of corruption, which is that arrogance. They were very arrogant, if you recall. Derek Aikman went to the extreme of saying, well, I beat George Price, I should have been deputy prime minister. And, but the arrogance that they brought caused them to lose the, the subsequent election. That election brought back the PUP now and introduced the third stage of corruption, which is the greed, the aggrandizement. You see, so that was when Ralph Fonseca was shadow prime minister. They used to call him, and PUP came from that view that uh, economy to full lace fair capitalists under that PUP government and the greed was open. The PUP lost and the UDP won. That UDP that won brought the fourth day of corruption in which is insensitivity. There's still the first three states of uh, pride, um, the arrogance, the greed, but UDP brought in the insensitivity. That's about uh, the time when um, they all those work around Christmas. Right? Example of being an insensitive government. Best example. I remember exactly all of was when Belize was at the fourth stage of corruption. Of not doing anything to check that when political reform movement started, where people like myself and others in this country started clamoring, let's start reversing this thing. Otherwise, we reach to domination. Tyranny. When we saw that Ninth Amendment, the throat became the Eighth Amendment, and we saw the all-powerful cabinet effectively put the judiciary on the bench. <laughs> you understand? This is the when you see those have dropped in the leader in the country. This department is running. Tell me, regarding the IP's perspective, 
what role the unions play in this whole um, dynamic. All right. The unions are the teeth. Any country that has ever been saved, the unions came in like, you know, the Calvary to save the day. Let's face it. The unions built the PUP. All right. They won more out of the 18 seats than the PUP did, the GWU. Immediately upon one government, George Feist dismantled the GWU and established the CWU, the Christian Workers Union. The only thing well, I don't believe I don't understand what took place there. But what took place there is that George Feist knew the power of the union and he had to kind of put some of the existing leaders in the background from the GWU. So starting the CWU, it was a means of taking control of the labor union. Anyway, long story short, the unions gave up on the PUP and went with the UP, and that's how UDP came into power. Wherever the unions go, that's where the, the, the power goes. So I'm saying the VIP is a movement built for unions. Mm -hmm. It's built for the unions. We only feel 12 candidates and 14 candidates at the last two elections, respectively, because we were leaving those seats for existing executive members of the unions come on board so that what is projected out there is a labor movement. See, men, what can I say, the, the civil service can run this country without any minister, without any CEO. We remove even head of the parts and the civil servants that are here can run this country. Do you want an example, please? Europe, that is heavily socialist, or at least was because the capitalists only make some gains now. But the laws for labor unions would be written in this way. If you're a at least 60% has to be unionized laborers. Mm -hmm. You see, that put the onus on the employer to ensure that he hires labor, labor uh, unionized labor. In Belize, how is the law written? The law is written that 50% or more of the employees have to come together and say, we want to be represented by a union. Now, the moment four or five of us come together to start push that talk to the rest of us, the employer fires us, and boom, so no union gets off the ground. So for four years, we have had Coca-Cola Belize hiring so many hundreds of Belizeans, and they have not been unionized. Thank you very much for that explanation. It's very important that um, Belizeans understand the significance of the unions, and more importantly, those involved in the unions understand and, and become proactive. I will tell you one thing, man, that um, the other day, I saw a glimmer of hope <laughs> during the sitting of the meeting of the house. No, the sitting of the house. I saw, I saw a glimmer of hope, man. You know, um, <laughs> we need more of that. We need more of that because let me tell you something, man. The politicians, they have we cycle out. We don't cycle out with self yeah. Yeah. And when I say this, get jumpy and they get nervous when they see things like that because it's demonstrating that the consciousness is building and people are not sit back and take it, take it, take it. I am in solidarity with the, was it, it was the NTUCB, correct? The NTUC, because look here, man, they've had these things pending so long. But like you said, the way that the, the system runs, it's collective. And make, no, make, make nobody lie to you, man. No, make nobody lie to you. Cabinet decisions are collective. 
but the most powerful person in that cabinet is the prime minister. And basically, whatever he says goes. That's the bottom line. That's how the system is, is set up. But you see, the law is designed so that they can all hide behind it, and then they cannot be singled out or called out. I have to get back to the Brother Godwin Hall's here, man. I really do. Because on that particular issue, I will say that Belize lost a great opportunity to really shock the system. This foundation. Move himself. I agree with you on You know, now he got unelected. He is renting the borough's power. And so he's protecting Mr. Barrow's power, saying and doing what he's saying and doing. And, and as I said, I'm very, very disappointed. Godwin has, has been one of those Belizean brothers that have helped a lot of us younger brothers, you know, uh, evolve into critical thinkers. I mean, from way back, the, the way he broke things down and, and showed that, hey, you understand these things. And so I had tremendous respect for the brother. When he took up that appointment, I held my breath. I said, well, I'm going to see. I'm going to see. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is that now I'm convinced that there is no way in hell I could ever go serve Her Majesty parties because at the end of the day, you do Her Majesty's bidding. You, you know, it's interesting to me, because this morning I did one of our And your part support power. I would love to see that you as you are right now the government. But you have the PUP and you have the UDP one. And man, look here, it's like the dynamic pose on everything. And to say what is designed, flip side. That's it. And that's where these people have to understand the reality. In reality, the politicians know that we've psyched ourselves out to the point that we've cheapened ourselves, we've cheapened our franchise, and on, on election day, you take a little blue note and a beer, right? Fried chicken or something, and you're good to go. And for five years pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many examples of this do we need? You know, I always tell people like this. You know, it's real. Times hard. You have people out there who really, really need help. I'm a proponent of help. I'm a proponent of the old adage: you give a man a fish, you feed him for the day. You teach a man how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So when it comes to this hunting. Unfortunately, it's inbred within the business. I, I long for the day that we move past it. But until that day, my, my thing is this. I tell reasons all the time. When election time comes around, the politicians will surface. But find you. 
and they're going to offer you something. Now, whether or not you decide to take it is up to you. a personal decision. But that's where I come in and I tell you, irrespective of whether you take it or not, when you go into that voting booth, only you and God know who you're going to vote for. Exactly. I mean, there are ways, but it would require a lot of collaboration, and I don't see it happening. So I, I always tell people, don't be worried about finding out how you vote. You know, it's, it's not impossible, but it's highly improbable. Uh, I'm looking at my screen here a little bit, and I'm, I'm watching a comment from a colleague of ours, and they wanted to know, let's see, who have power and the many who do not. That is a statement of fact. That is a statement of fact. But you see, as I said, it's a process that caused that. Uh, if you recall, in when, at the turn of the 1980s when we got independence, I mean, I could remember most of the yards would still have some sort of vegetables or fruits growing in the yards. And a lot of what we ate was not all these processed things that we're eating today. So, you know, a, a, a kind of shift happened when the television came. We saw all these U.S. brands branded. has to be branded. And I, I can't help but think that, um, you know, all of this with proper planning could have been avoided because at the ending of it, the, the, the television and the free trade agreements go hand in hand. You see, the television give us their brands and then their free trade agreements remove our restrictions on their products and before you know it, we don't have local industries. Everything going bottom up. It's by design. It's by design. We had canneries here before independence, you know. We had canneries. I recall three canneries in Belize City, right here, and also more in the country. Where are those things? Now, those are the things that we needed to really develop this country. But I have only presentation another time I could give on that that, that I understood was part of a design, a part of a plan to ensure that if and when this territory became America's, that England never left infrastructure behind where she may put develop it for her purposes, you see. But she never developed develop it for for us. Yeah. I mean, like Walter Rodney said, every road she built, that we get the product from where it's at to the sea, so you could go find ships, you go not. Then about building roads to connect us. Okay. So up to today, if you did a criteria, you are not got a lucky strike. You have to come down the Northern Highway all the way to Sand Hill and go up mm -hmm. instead of just push the road right through. It's all about control and design. Exactly. And I'm glad to bring that up because um, the Pro Vice Chancellor at the University of the West Indies, Professor Hillary was in business a few years ago. regards to the reparations, this uh, is almost a great trial. But I can recall the he was in Belize several years ago, about three years ago. He had a presentation at the, the Bliss, and he dealt to that very same topic of what you, you, you spoke of. He said that the, the infrastructure or the lack thereof that the British put in Belize was purposeful, yeah, yeah. because Belize wasn't very important to them in that regard. What was important was our resources. Uh, yes, and all they did is they controlled our movement, they controlled our transportation, they controlled everything, and the vestiges of it um, still exist today. Like you said, the example of going from Lucky Strike to Crooked Tree. You have to get there in fashion. I mean, come on. Look at how long it takes to reach Dangriga. I mean, we have to go inland to the capital and then go back to the coast. And 
it's crazy. It's just crazy. It's not efficient, that's for sure. Yes, man. <coughs> well, if, if I could, you know, I, um, I think I, I didn't do justice to the gentleman's question about the movement party issue. You see, the way the Belize Constitution is written, any political party becomes victim to the Constitution. Any political party would have a party leader being able to tell any member of his or her party in that House of Representatives that you cannot represent your people on this issue, you have to take the party position. So as long as you enter an election as a member of a party and win that election as a member of that party, whoever emerged as your party leader, be it the leader of the opposition or the prime minister, as in our case with those two parties, either of those two gentlemen have the right to instruct the speaker to kick you out that house based on a law that they change in the constitution restricting people like you and I from going to house to represent you. We have to represent the party. Hence that big fight over whether you will be a party or a movement. Because within the constitution which is written for a movement, it's a great power of the leader being a political leader. Political leader and chairman. So the chairman is responsible for building the movement, filling out those subcommittees, making sure we get members of friendly committees. The political leader is responsible for recruiting candidates for the election time. All candidates, which we would call one standard bearer uh, for the respective constituency. Each standard bearer would attend meetings of the executive committee for the constituency they're contesting, but they do not get to vote. So they would have to ensure that they're convincing enough to pass resolutions through their executive. Because Belize don't have any laws governing political parties or political organizations, the VIP have attempted to craft one document that governs our operation that if government, we don't have any party leader that thinks they can apply the Belize Constitution to us. We have one political leader who can't even, they have to go, like Dean Barrow, they may have to go to the executive body and recommend that Marcel Cardona be chastised and kicked out the party. If they weren't convinced, Marcel Cardona is still there. A great example of governance, good governance practices, setting it up so that you don't have this um, this hegemony built up under one individual. Well, as I said, we want to see power separated. So we've separated it in, within our own constitution. We've ensured that the power of the party leader is no longer. There's a political leader and a chairman that shares the power of that party leader, you'd say, per se. Definitely based on what I've seen in Belize today and in years past, uh, that is innovative and is definitely a step in the right direction. Because um, and people, like I said, I like British politicians. Actually, I remember on Facebook, one person told me, they said, Paco, it looks like you, you like vilify all politicians. <laughs> and hey, I just love party affiliation, uh, familial affiliation, or what have you. He's going to move on. Is it we adopt an entity? Perspective, but to be active, and then I'm getting back 
concept of unions. This whole concept of the unions. Because I don't know if these brothers and sisters realize how critical a role they play in the future development of this nation. Because my humble perspective is this. Once we have unions that are very serious about change and do not allow themselves to be co-opted by the political influences, they could shut this country down. Easily. Easily. And this is my point, right, that I believe we're seeing new blood in the union leadership. It's emerging, and these brothers and sisters look like they're ready to take this government to task, man. It's... This government have been disrespecting us. They've been doing things where it's like it's our turn, you know. Wait till the polls come and then you could whatever you don't like. And that's our biggest problem, right? Because we just legitimize this dictatorship every five years. Yeah. We just go every five years and say, yeah, I'm okay with this kind of dictatorship because it's not democracy. It's clear. Very good point. You know, uh, a lot of people, they like to float around that word democracy. And they like to just affix to Belize. But I would tend to agree with you in relation to the way you characterized it. Because we can cite numerous examples where it's clear that the public sentiment wants one thing. But because one individual, who happens to be in an ultimate position of influence within the government, feels otherwise, he doesn't please us. Exactly. I want to share this with the listeners, uh, Brother Paul. Just an example, when I say this system is not very democratic, we use the first class that puts here to select representatives in the House of Representatives. In the general election, that election saw the PP winning 26 seats and the UDP winning 3 seats. That represents 90% of the seats to the PUP, whereas the UDP only got 10% of the now, if you look at the actual popular votes that were cast in that election, the PUP only received 57% of the votes cast, and the UDP received 43%. But with that 57%, the PUP was able to go and change the constitution as they saw it fit because they had a mandate of 90% representation in the House. That is not fair. You see, another example, in the 2006 municipal election in Belmapan, you had an even worse case showing where first past the post doesn't work. In that election, the VIP actually received 20% of, and then UDD, which the government, only received 42%. But yet they constituency in Belize City. The amount of electors there, not over 5,000, I wouldn't think, no? Under 4,000. 4, Let's look at, um, say, for instance, uh, Toledo. Toledo East or West would be over 7,000. Either one of them. There you have it. And what I'm getting at is there appears to be a lack of 
due representation in our system of governance. That is certainly the case. That is certainly the case. The the, the problem is though, you see that um both parties in their turn have used that very issue of delineating, they call it gerrymandering in you know, a system. Mm -hmm. To, to ensure that they come out on top in elections. I mean, we have seen one election where the UDT actually received less than 50% of the votes mm -hmm. and they formed the government. That, that uh, first UDT government, if I'm not mistaken, came in like 40, about 49% of the votes and the UDT got the one and yet they were able to go. So it's clearly not democratic. But for, for me, what I, when I look at systems from the world, there's only about 54 countries that use post. Only about 54 countries. The irony is that time, most of the British Commonwealth. You see, so it seems as though the British Commonwealth has a lot on this first past the post posting, and, and we haven't been able to break out of it. So how do we break out of it? We have to go through first past the post and win one upset and then introduce proportional representation, which will guarantee multi-parties in the country. Absolutely, and you just, you, you answered the question before I asked it. So proportional representation. Guarantees multi-parties, guarantees. VIP would have had 20% representation in Belmapan. It would have allowed us to grow because a party that does not win ends up with our representation and dies off easier. That's why our commitment for our generation is so important, that win, lose, or draw, we ensure them we will be back. We will be back. We don't have to win one seat because we know on the first past the post it's difficult. We already feel like we're there with that 20% showing in Belmapan and in the rural communities in Belize District where independent candidates have one British Council EPU position. You know, so we've been growing, the independent movement have been growing. It's just first past the post that have kept us out of representation. Excellent point. Well, one of the things I would like to say, Pat, is that uh, you spoke a little bit in the very beginning about a unity alliance. And that is something that I really, really, really support. That is something that I pray to God above uh, eventually takes hold. Now, I know there are certain groups popping up around the country, which is good to a certain extent. But And I need to make this call to every right-minded Belizean, whether you live in Belize or abroad. The time is now, we're at that proverbial tipping point where we've taken enough abuse. I should say that we've allowed ourselves to be abused enough because, trust me, the power lies with the people. And until the people realize that, we are continue to take lick. But we've reached that point where, irrespective of how your, your ma, your pa, your granny, your grandpa may vote, man, you have to look at this thing squarely in the face, look in the mirror and say, hey, am I satisfied with the way things are going in Belize? And then you have to, well, I should say, and then it's most beneficial if you, and I'm going to borrow from Brother Bobby Lopez. He likes to use this quote from Einstein. And it says, basically, you know, you cannot, well, I'm just paraphrasing, 
but you cannot go to the, the root cause of a problem for the solution. You can't expect the solution to come from the problem. If you keep going to the well and you find that the water is contaminated, don't go to the same well. Go to a next well, go to another viable alternative and see what you can do. And for my part, I'd like to say that I'm very heartened. I feel good to know that the independent movement is there, that it's growing. And I'm also very confident that VIP is on the right path. I just want to see that other entities from throughout the, the nation come to the table and make we get there and do this thing because, like you said at the very beginning, British are the masters at divide and conquer. And if we continue along this path, it's going to be TDP all the way. Trust me, I don't want that for my lifetime. I want that for the rest of the beliefs in perpetuity. I hear you loud and clever, but if I call you, you're going to ask for the insularity for. So I ask you, I don't stand well. Stand up. No, it is all that is evil on the flesh when the righteous. So, there's a lot more righteous people here than evil people. The problem is that the evil people are organized. The righteous people, for whatever reason, have learned to fear these evil people and start thinking they're responsible for their sustenance or something. When, in effect, if you're truly righteous, then you know your blessings come from the Supreme Almighty Godhead, not from no PUP or no UDT. The fact of the matter is that all you need to do is to stand just take a stand. That's what we did. We've been standing for the last 15 years and asking, pleading, screaming to our brothers and sisters, take a stand for the generation, man. Just stand up with me because at the end of taking your stand, you will be a better person for having stood up for your rights. Yes, we have this thing in front of us where the country rich, wealth and toll, everything else, but we don't participate in all that wealth, which is a right of ours, because we haven't stood up for anything. We sit by and watch these politicians run over us, do with things, as a demonstration, blow over like one Lee Breeze, and he's right to an extent. But Brother Parker, you put the nail on the head. The unions is where it's at, my brother. VIP have been courting the unions. We tell them, we know nobody's already, but you know, we need to know. We have the professional class have common as organized for the listing. Now we need the unions to come. We shall right put us to it and stuff like that. But at the ending of it, we see a three-way partnership with the professional class, the labor class, and the, uh, the common as we call it, uneducated, unemployed. Three legs giving us two to stand upon. Eventually, the natural bond believes and businessmen with conscience one send one lean money away, and that one become the fourth leg to the stool. The natural bond believes in businessmen, where you see them business, the die of safer victimization when they're in opposition. Then there are the business people we want to work with. Because at the end of it, they're us, we're them, we're there before 1981, and we need to strengthen them up instead of sitting the die off and the wealth to stay in the economic citizenship class. Well, we're coming up with about five minutes remaining in the program. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, of course, I wish we could talk on for a couple more hours, no? But um, basically, I think we'll see if we could try to come full circle and wrap things up uh, within the allotted time. Um, with regards to, <coughs> excuse me, 
Sugar. Oh, yes. Sugar, sugar. Could make us stand that. That's a very interesting topic. I know we only have a few minutes, but what, what, what's the position we have with regards to school sugar issue? Uh, we country friends are with the cane farmers. But there was time when the cane farmers wanted to buy that factory. You understand? They wanted to buy that factory. Instead, the Prime Minister gave an accommodation agreement to ASR. Remember Banco Atlantico before mm -hmm. ASR? Well, Banco Atlantico pulled out and ASR came in. And instead of allowing the farmers an opportunity to buy that factory because the representative of the association had already gone to find the financing need to buy that factory. But you see, the factory, in theory, I say in theory because it's not factual, in theory it was owned by workers and management in the factory. But it's the same game that Mr. Ashcroft played at BTL, where they set up a trust, and until you don't pay back that trust from where you the work the company, I still control the directors to that trust, you see. So that's how that's how BSI was being run. Now, instead of allowing the producers of the cane to partake in ownership of the factory, then it would have been a three way thing, management workers and producers of the cane, facilitated by one government who is progressive thinking. What we end up with is AS and won't pay a single dollar in taxes or duties or any type of revenue to the government of Belize for 10 years. 10 years. If that's not an accommodation agreement, I don't know what is. For you to come into my country at a time when sugar is going to be the most profitable it has ever been over the last two decades, it's projected for the next 10 years, super, super profitable. That's why ASR, American Sugar Refinery, have been buying out all of British-owned Tate and Lyle refineries, companies, and production facilities around the world. And Mr. Barrow, working for the U.S. as usual, facilitated them eagerly so. And now, when you ask me about the bagash issue, I said that has been on the table from day one. Bagash have been on the table. So it's not new that the farms are just fumbling about. And the only thing I want to say on that, Belize, is a unique case because in the north you only have 10% of the candy SI produced uh, by themselves. But the mill only 10% on cultivation In the third world, that's in a case. Some of it, they have maybe 10% of what they mill under production, 60%, somewhere between there. So the farmers, all farmers don't have any leverage. Here in Belize, it's completely different. 90% is produced by small farmers. And so the small farmers have leverage and can shut down the factory, and they were prepared to do it and are still prepared to do it if they are not paid for their bagash. But again, in true imperialist ASR is saying that after we settle with bagash, that's byproducts from your cane. They mix it where they use cane for so. You know, I just understand. Okay. Well, brother, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, I must say that that was very enlightening. I, I wasn't really aware of the, the factual history behind it. And we're, we're getting some very positive comments also with regards to what you just said. Yes, man. And definitely, man, we got to do this again. We have to do this again. We have to touch on some specific topics next time, like the bagash and all this passport and visa scandal and these things. And it's not about bashing. It's about calling a spade a spade and attuning the, the Belizean electorate, electorate and the public with regards to what is actually going on and what needs to be done, because the power lies in all of us. 
I've just gotten a signal. We have two minutes to go. And, well, uh, would you like to say anything in closing? Uh, lots I'd like to say. But at the end of it, I want to say this. Belizeans abroad, you all are critical, critical to what we're trying to achieve down here. What we need is for you all to understand that you do have influence on Malay and French down here. You do. I think last time it was quantified at about 100 and 160 million US dollars a year is being received from, from members sending money back home to Belizeans. That is more than politicians give them. That is more than the politicians give them. So if you all tune to what we're saying here, and whenever you get one break for talk to your family members here in Belize, tell them if you want listen, listen to the VIP chat, you know, the VIP chat serious. That would help us get our message out and, and make more people listen to what we want to say. Okay, well, Brother Patrick, I really appreciate that. And I'm going to give a plug to my... I'm a good veteran in, in Los Angeles, California right now, Hubert Pipersburg. He'll be doing a, a similar show uh, like this tomorrow. I believe it's airing at um, the 10 a.m. L.A. time. It would be 12 noon Belize time. If, it, if anything, just check his Facebook page and, you know, chime in because he'll be talking about the whole issue of voters' rights, Belizean voters' rights, Belizeans who have dual citizenship and the right to vote. So with that, we're closing in about 20 seconds. I just want to say thank you very much, Brother Pat, for coming through. The pleasure was all mine, Brother Pat. Absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure. And to all the listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. If you didn't tune in this time, you can catch it on the podcast, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks so much. Belizean, stay tuned. This is Hard Talk Tipping Point. Stay tuned, stay tuned, and make we get this thing done, man. Welcome to Belize Billboard.